Hello and welcome to the Super Colorful Original Telecommunicated Transmission, otherwise known as ScottCast. Today, I'm bringing to you none other than a solo bonus show called From the Desk of Sound Guy Scott. Can I get a what? What? Thank you for joining me today. No Sneaky D, no fan favorite, Ian Dixon. It's me. It's the sound guy. You're at my desk. Hello. How are you? I'm trying not to shout. I want From the Desk of Sound Guy Scott to be a nice casual episode where listeners come in and, and they see a jolly old pod king, former pod king, Scott, uh, sitting with his uh, robe on and his feet in slippers, propped up against the desk, having a little twitch every time he makes a little jolly laugh. Ha 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 You know, a nice relaxing time. With the sound guy from ScottCast. Scott, from ScottCast. How are you? Now, I'm doing this, but that's like, I don't want you to think that I'm doing this because uh, Ian Dixon and David Vander Hayden aren't in the podcast anymore. I'm getting a David episode scheduled now, and I've got two Ian episodes in the bank with a Bendy episode couched in there as well and honestly I'm just too lazy to edit it right now I would rather sit down spit some pod publish that to satiate the masses you know I don't want the Scottcaster Gators to be all where's Scottcast are they done no Scottcast is going strong but I needed to drop in in you. I just needed to, I need my voice heard. That's just what ScottCast's all about. <laughs> it's about, it's about uh, the sound of my own voice. <laughs> and how I just love it. It's great. So, I've got a couple episodes baking in the old editing bay. And I'm just winging this one out for fun. And it might seem like, oh, Scott's lazy, he doesn't want to do editing. But honestly, that's not true. I just love podcasting so much. One of them is outstripping the other. I would like to, by the way, produce someone else's podcast. I want to produce a podcast that I'm not on. Like, I love making my own podcasts and talking into a mic as I'm doing right now, even when I have five episodes ready to edit. (laughs) I love doing this kind of stuff. But... I think it would be really interesting to take other people's audio, enhance it, cut it up, make it pretty, make it perfect, do the website, tell them how to promote it, tell them how to structure it, be the god behind it, the producer, if you will, and let them have the glory of it. Make, let them be the people who feel all of a sudden super smart and, and like, super affable. I would love to do that. And there's a lot of stories out there that need to be told, and really my skill set with producing podcasts, I mean, l- just listen to how smooth this shit is and understand that I'm recording this thing at my silly little table in a non-sound-treated room, yet it still sounds this fucking good. Wow! Like, 
Cheers to that, you know? I love it. I do it all the time. I do it just to do it. The downloads are just like a tertiary metric. I bet other people would love it too. And that's what a business is. That's what a business is. You help people do things they love for a fee. Now, I'm not even collecting a fee at first, I don't think. I think I think the only thing I would collect is like the rights to run advertising when all of this blows the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. You're Scott Castigator, and you're still listening. You didn't shut it off. <laughs> you didn't shut it off as soon as you heard that Ian and David weren't going to be here to check my ego. Well, trust me, they will check my ego. It will just be after this is released. So calm your horses and uh, live with the tension of the moment. Live with the tension of, like, Scott's running rampant and nobody's there to be like, Scott, don't go there. Woo! Oh, Scott, discretion. Discretion, Scott. Discretion. Anyway. (laughs) I will try to exercise discretion on my own. But I want to produce other people's podcasts. So, like, here's what I'm offering. Find a way to get in contact with me. I understand there's a million different avenues. Uh, email bag is always an option on thescottcast.com. It's, you don't even have to go to a different page. It's on the homepage, email bag. There's a little box. Type your message, send. Then let me know if you want to, to record a podcast on your own and stuff like that. I'll give you all the tools you need. We'll have a little audit of what you're aiming for. I'll give you a little production plan. I'll sit on I'll sit in on the first episode or so. You know, give a little coaching, give a little guidance. Give a little applause because it's going to be great. And we'll get something going. If it's a good show, it's a good show. We'll keep doing it. We got the energy, we got the funds. We're going to make it happen. It's going to be wonderful. And by say, when I say I've got the funds, I mean I paid for hosting for the year. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many shows I do. So let me help. Let me produce. Let me make something. Let's both make something. It'll be a part of the Scottcast universe, sure, but maybe it'll be part of the greater universe of the PodBud network. That's right. I've come up with a brand for this whole venture. It's called PodBud. Because I'm your PodBud, man. So let's 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 just be pod buds. Let me know if you want to do a podcast. Anyway, I feel like that felt like an ad, but it kind of was. There's a call to action at the end there. Um, it wasn't meant to be an ad. It's just something I'm really interested in right now. Like for this quarter of the year, I have a few high level goals, and one of them is like I would like to to do a few more creative projects where I where I work with other people. I think that's I think that's an untapped potential I have. Like I a lot of my projects are like it's what Scott wants to do because Scott's doing it and a lot of that's just like okay, I'm evading responsibility because uh it's what I want to do and it's easy to do what you want to do because if you decide not to do what you want to do well, there you go. The decision's made. The committee's had. The meeting is finished. <laughs> but if you're working with someone else and you're like, well, I don't want to do this anymore, like you got you to gotta deal with the psychic ramifications of canceling a project on a partner. 
And that's just a whole other kit and caboodle, you know? So working with others has more potential for exploration and growth. I pretty much mind working by myself as much as I think I'm going to. I'm a 31-year-old man. I've been working by myself for the past six years. And the growth has been... Well, I don't know if there's been growth, really. There's just, there's been a few successes is what's happened. And that's different from growth. I want to do something that grows. And I think the key to that is let's get creative together. Let's, uh, let's work with somebody who will challenge my ideas, who will have enough stake in something to have the balls to be like, Scott, you're acting like a doofus. Because I lean on the doofus side. That's the point. That's where that's the edge. That's the edge where where happy accidents happen is when you're being a doofus. So, yeah. But if I had somebody who was like the first filter, <laughs> because they had stakes in the game, because they were making this thing, they put their name on it. Their their face is on the cover. You know, it would be great. It would be good. It would things would work well. I'm sure. But these aren't the only plans, by the way, that I have for, for the world at large. These aren't the only plans. I've got so many plans. I should probably be the emperor of the world. I would do good. So here's my first act as emperor of the world. You don't have to subscribe to my podcast, but it's recommended. It's not an act. First recommendation goes out before the first act. The first recommendation is listen to my podcast. The first act is no more insurance ever. Nothing. Nothing is insurance. There will be an empire what the fuck fund. Hear me out. The what the fuck fund replaces anything that's kind of insurance, right? It's just a big old slash pile of money that the world produces and sets aside as a flat rate of GDP across the whole world. And there will be panels of judges called what the fuck judges. These people judge whether or not an event crosses some sort of sentient threshold to what-the-fuck territory. When something crosses the threshold to what-the-fuck territory, the proper amount will be amount awarded to the person who got what-the-fucked, and everyone would go their merry way. That's it. That's the whole system. I just solved so many conundrums. I just solved so much inefficient economic activity I, I, I should get a Nobel Peace Prize for this podcast alone. And think, just think, of how many cool podcasts will come out of the Nobel Prize winning podcast that asks for podcast collaborators. Like, I'm going to be getting everyone from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to uh, Boutros Boutros Ghali coming up on this podcast trying to get themselves a story told. It's going to be splendid here we are. So that's what I would, that would be the first act. I'd create the what the fuck fund, eliminate all insurance companies, because nobody likes insurance companies. Nobody likes how they act and how they do. 
It's all confusion. You have to hire somebody to go buy your insurance for you, or you're probably getting screwed by the insurance company somehow. You gotta, which is doesn't even make sense, right? Like, so you introduce a middleman to get less. No, no, to 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 get the better deal, but they're also taking a cut of the better deal. That's how screwed you're getting when you're <laughs> when you're doing it on your own without any like training in the field. You don't. You shouldn't need training in a field to be a purchaser of a common good. That's why we have these lauded figures in the new empire called what the fuck judges. What the fuck judges have one job: listening, empathizing, hearing you out. What the fuck judges are there for you. They can't be bought. They can't be sold. They can't be, they, they, they can't be influenced in any way because all they do is they sit there in their throne room and they listen to your case. They hear you out. You know, no amount of rhetoric can confound them or befuddle them. They, they see through that kind of trickery. And when you relate their story, these masters of will, these masters of empathy... If something in their heart twitters a flutter and says, what the fuck? There you go. The accountants are already getting their spreadsheets worked up. The check's already being printed. And by the time you finish your story and your hopeful little face is, 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 is prostrating up and, 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 and they're looking down upon you from their throne, they will hand you the little rectangle of funding that will put all your troubles away somehow. The what the fuck fund. I figured the what the fuck fund can be 20% of GDP across the board. Does that sound crazy? That sound insane? Well, the current medical industry is over 20% of GDP in America. And we're not even healthy. So, yeah, I just made you shit your pants. From the desk of Sound Guy Scott. That's what this program's all about. I feel like the What the Fuck Fund would do well on SwearNet. Because it's got a swear in it. But I honestly think the phrase, what the fuck, is the best, is the simplest, is the most boiled down essence of what an insurance company functions as. You know, they... You pay somebody a certain amount of money so that uh, you can sleep easy knowing that some risk is covered in your life. That when the situation gets to what the fuck level, someone's there to help you. But the insurance companies, they're, they're out there, they're, they're playing math games. They're just like, well, it's 10% likely that this what the fuck moment won't happen. So I'll charge things out so that we know our expenses, and we can garner the proper income to give ourselves benefits and, and condos in Cuba and shit. But that's not right, I don't think. That's, that's a little too... The incentives aren't right in that situation. I think, I think risk should be managed by what-the-fuck judges. And I could get this started. I can get some ground momentum for it if I go on SwearNet, which is the Trailer Park Boys network 
which has on it The Roach Approach, a live show brought to you by none other than Pat Roach from Trailer Park Boys, who was on this show. He was on this show. He was on this show already. And he's got this audience of millions of nerds, millions of people who I'm sure don't like paying money to people. Except for Trailer Park Boys, obviously. It's a premium network. So if we can get Pat Roach on board to come on ScottCast and talk about the What the Fuck Fund, possibly I could become emperor of the world, the first emperor of the world, democratically elected, not by conquest, by, by conquest of the heart. That could be me, and that's the ultimate goal, really, of Scott Cast. If you haven't, if you haven't ascertained, that's where I really get the most energy, is when some line of logic, somehow, in some way, leads to me becoming the leader of the entire world. I want statues of me, as I am now. I'm getting older. It's not going to look good. I don't want a bent-over statue all fucking shitty and old. <laughs> I, want, I want a sexy statue. <laughs> I want a statue of me as a, about 15 pounds ago, you know? There was a flash of time where I was not either over or underweight. There was a flash of time I did straddle that line. Straddle I did. <laughs> Do I edit that out? No, I'll keep that. So, what I need to do is I need to get Pat Roach on ScottCast, or Scott from ScottCast on Pat Roach's show, The Roach Approach. That's the better way. That's the better thing to do. I'm, I'm obsessed with getting things onto my property. But uh, I will go onto the Roach approach for a rare Scott from ScottCast guest appearance. And I'll tell him my what the fuck fund. And he's going to sit there and be like, I'm never going to shut up about this. And he's going to proselytize to thousands and thousands of nerds in Canada, in the United States, for the most part. And he will garner a little fan base. And, you know, when... When I've had enough of Randy, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that when that time comes. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing 4D chess here. I'm not 10 steps ahead. I'm like three steps. But you don't want to be 10 steps ahead. 10 steps ahead and you're guessing. That's what I always say. <sighs> I'm like Tom Ripley from the Fantabulous Mr. Ripley. You know, except I'm straight. So, like, in the fantabulous Mr. Ripley, he subsumes, he subsumes identities. That's his big talent, right? That's, why, that's what makes him so fantabulous, is, is his ability to subsume personalities. I don't got that. I've got other talents. But, anyways, how does he, what does he use his talent to do? He's always two or three steps ahead. He's not ten steps ahead. At the beginning of his little plotting to take over Dickie Greenleaf's life, um, he's not, he's no, he does not understand what he's getting into, but he gets into it and, and he plays two or three steps ahead, which is just ahead enough to stay ahead of the police, to stay ahead of the people around him in the book. Nobody ever finds him out 
in the in the movie, Matt Damon and Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, they they shake fists at each other at the end, and she's like, "I know what you did. You're a bastard." And he's like, "I'm not a bastard. What are you looking at? I'm I'm doing good." Um, but in the book, none of that ever happens. He gets away scot free, scot free, and sails off to Greece with a with a full pension from. Dickie Greenleaf's trust fund to do whatever he pleases as Tom Ripley. It's a fantastic novel. I've learned that I can read a novel. I can read a novel in one or two days if I use an index card while I'm reading it. Hear me out. What I do is I use the index card and I kind of underline each line and that effectively blocks the lines below it and guides my eye and I can get done with the line in like a second or two. That's it. That's all it takes. Like, that's a line. You know, that's about, that times 40 is about a minute per page. So a few hours, boom, knock a, knock a book out. And that's very exciting to me. Like normally when I read a book, I have to read things in fits and starts because like I'm supposing, you know, after doing this index card experiment, what goes on is like I'm reading my book and I'm looking all over the place. My eye is taking information on the next line and the previous line on the in the middle and the beginning of the line and the end of the line. It's taking all of this at once and that's a lot of load. But when I just straight up block all the words I have not gotten to yet with an index card, my brain is free to just like focus on that line that I'm at. And each line takes only a little bit of time. Each line gets its turn. There's no accidentally glazing over an entire paragraph in this system. That's for sure. Every single line got physically touched by me. And I read it in, a, in, a, in due time. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was like watching a movie. I always liken like, the process of reading like this where you're not very much sub-vocalizing it as like you're on the road and you're driving and you see a stop sign and you stop. But you never say to your mind, oh, stop. You just do it. You read it. You see it. You acknowledge it. But you don't say it in your head. And when you're not saying it in your head everything is just processed so much faster. And that's what this technique helps you do. It helps you just like look at the, what you're reading as you're reading it. And it's like a bunch of stop signs. You recognize it all immediately and you go on. I think a big proponent, a big, uh, a big little bit of proof, data point of proof for that theory is when I do not know what the words are, I stop like a fucking truck. I don't. I guess trucks don't stop well, actually. I stop like I'm hit by... No. I, I, I stop like I'm a truck that hits a brick wall. No. I stop like I'm all of a sudden not moving anymore. Boom. That's it. Got it. I, <laughs> I stop like I'm not moving anymore <laughs> because that's what's happening. Um, 
And like that confusion just like grinds the gears, puts everything to a halt. So I must be taking in every word. And I feel like I definitely read the whole book and got the gist of the book. But, you know, I did go fast. I wasn't uh, sitting around being like, Prosity! Ha! No. You know... And that's not, a, that's not, that's not nothing wrong with reading slow. I would prefer to read slow. But at some point in my life, I've also determined that there's no way I'm going to read as many books as I want at the pace I do when I read slow. Because when I read slow, it's my normal reading pace. It's like I've had books for years. You know, <laughs> it's like I'll dip in, dip out. I'll never get into like a good pace with it. But, but yeah, with this little index card technique, boom. It's like putting on a Netflix series. That's it. I recommend using an index card. Read any book you want. Just underline it and like push yourself. Go a little fast. Go a little faster than you think you can. Just a little faster than you think you can. Like push yourself with that index card technique. And if you find that you're fucking confused and you're not, and you're going too fast, you're going too fast. But like, I think you'll you'll find that you can go faster than you have been. And that you actually focus better and understand the book better and it's pacing better because you're not like chewing over every other paragraph and you're not chewing over like like other thoughts in your head and getting lost. You're very focused on the text. So that's how you read. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I'm going to do a little news today. I know Pod King David, Sneaky D., doesn't like me doing news, but I couldn't help this story. Um, NFTs, you know, everyone's favorite crypto of the of the of the month, the crypto flavor of the month. NFTs, non fungible tokens. You've heard about them getting sold for sixty four million dollars. You've heard about them uh, ex- causing a big hubbub in the world, but. Have you heard that Kevin Smith is getting into Kevin... uh, Fuck me. But have you heard that Kevin Smith is getting into NFTs right in the middle of a big NFT crash? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. NFTs as a technology don't do much. They don't really deliver much. I don't know. Like... I might be wrong or mistaken about how unique the files are when you get an NFT or if like there is a file at all and it's not just a signature on a ledger somewhere. But I don't understand the point of introducing the technology when a good old, you know, vocal contract would do or a paper contract or an email that just says, yeah, you own this now. You're welcome. I don't understand I don't understand why the technology is so special with it. But Kevin Smith just announced that he has his own NFT production. And what that means is he made a movie called Kilroy is Here. It's like a scary movie. I'm I'm pretty excited about that concept. Um you you all see the Kilroy. Was it Kilroy? No, never mind. I thought I think it's based off the graffiti where like someone draws a guy with his nose hanging over a ledge, kind of like looking at you. Um, 
But it's called, is it called Kilroy? Fuck me. I think it's called Kilroy. It's called Billroy? Philroy? I don't know. Anyways, he made a movie called Kilroy's here, and he's selling the rights to distribute it. Yes, he's selling the rights to distribute Kilroy's here. Via NFT. He's selling those rights. So, I don't know what that means. I don't know why that's so special. Why you can't just, like, say to the world, hey, I'm selling this movie to a buyer. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> it's not any different than anything he did, except, I guess, maybe the general market's open to it. But he's, when you buy this NFT, it grants you the exclusive rights to film the to, to, to distribute it to show it off in the theaters to print it on dvd and uh, reap the profits therein i mean it sounds like a good deal I mean, I mean i guess it depends on the money but i don't know what the nft part of it's for uh it, but that's not the only thing he's doing with nfts he's got on his website janesilentbob.com a four thousand dollar nft which guarantees you a role in Clerks 3, a little cameo role. I imagine you, like, show up and you're like, uh, Dante, you suck ass, or something, if you get a line at all. Um, but $4,000, you get this NFT token. It's called the Platinum Token. And you get to be in Clerks 3, which, honestly... I would love to do. I would love to be in Clerks 3, but I'm not going to pay $4,000 for that opportunity. I would like to be paid $4,000 for that opportunity. However, however, if I can wear an ass ton of Scott Cast merch in Clerks 3, even for like a scene where I'm just reacting off, off to the side... As long as Scott Cast is clearly legible, and let's be honest, it's it's 4K these days, so a lot of detail up in them prints. As long as it's legible, it might be worth it. I mean, a lot of nerds watch Clerks, a lot of podcasters, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure I've tried to promote my podcast amongst Kevin Smith nerds, and they do not like it. Kevin Smith nerds are the last people in the world to want to hear someone else's podcast inspired by Kevin Smith. I think because they all want to do it, but they haven't yet. Or they want to do it, but they haven't because they don't think it would be successful. And they look at it and they're like, oh, this guy is not actually Kevin Smith. Therefore, he's not successful. Ah, I don't like this. Kind of attitude. I say this because I spend too much time on Reddit forums. I don't do it lately. It's been a while. My face is twitching right now thinking about it. It's okay. We got... We're calm. We're woosa. We're doing all right. Point is, I would not pay $4,000 even to advertise ScottCast on that level. But I might. If, I, if, if the math works, I might do that. I would love to be the randomly successful dude do a Kevin Smith movie. Kind of like in Tell Him Steve Dave. So, 
That's from the Desk of Sound Guy Scott today. Was it all right? Did you guys enjoy listening to me? Did you enjoy What the Fuck Funds? Did you enjoy Randy from Trailer Park Boys and stuff like that? Did you enjoy all that love and that chat and that splendor? Because I sure did. If you're interested in starting your own podcast and you want me to help produce it, you got an idea, you got thoughts, you want to talk it over, I'm the guy to talk it over with. We'll figure something out. We'll get you on the right road, at least. Please do that. Email in. Go to thescottcast.com. We've got some good episodes coming up. We've got one with fan favorite Ian Dixon coming up next. And after that, fan favorite Ian and Bendy Arms. Bendy comes on and he tells us how we're going to make our next movie. Zombies. We're going to make it a fantastic, practical effects laden film with green screen that's going to take the film festivals by storm. You're not going to be prepared. But you might after you listen to Ben Dini and talk about it. But those are the next two episodes, and those are coming up fast. They're going to come up real quick. I might put them up like a day after each other just to be like, oh, you, oh, you think I don't publish enough? Well, boom, 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 solo episode. Episode with Ian. Episode with Bendy and Ian. And then, boom, Pod King Sneaky D comes in. What, 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 what is from the desk of Sound Guest God? Boom. Boom.